Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hey everybody, good to have you with us this evening, and today we're going to be talking about stocking and storing medications for an SHTF. You know, a situation could arrive at some point in the future when we become our own first responders, and we have to become our own medical care, and that could involve something like broken bones, lacerations, wounds from weapons perhaps, maybe burns, and we have discussed the need for a quality first aid kit. In fact, we've even recommended that you build your own from scratch. It's good to have one that's ready-made, but you find that a lot of times there's a hundred small band-aids and one roll of gauze and maybe a tube of antibiotic cream. Build your own first aid kit. I think you'll find you'll like it better. You can save yourself money and you can more customize the kit for yourself. Exactly. Things that that you have used, to have experience with, and you can buy trial size medications sometimes and first aid items in the trial size areas of most shops. We'll likely find ourselves needing to treat certain common medical conditions as well as our injuries. These may be minor, such as diarrhea or a cold or the flu or other types of viruses or respiratory ailments. However, in a grid-down situation, you know, there's not going to be medical care available. Even with the most minor infection, could become life-threatening without the proper care. And we can experience all kinds of aches, pains, allergies, inflammations, and infections. And we might be more likely to be susceptible because if we're in an SHTF, we're already highly stressed. Mm-hmm. We have gone through some mental stuff, some physical stuff. We don't know, really, to imagine what we may have been through. And, and quite possibly not eating the way we should be. Right. So that kind of opens you up to being more vulnerable to even the smallest, slightest thing could really knock you down. And for that reason, we need to maintain a supply of medications to be used after SHTF. So we're going to cover a list of medications on which to stock up and how to properly store those medications. Now, this is not medical advice, and we encourage you to do your own research and determine what items you may need for yourself and for your family. This may not be the only medications that you might need to stock, and it's not all the medications on our list, but in the interest of time, we're going to cover the basics. But we'll put the full list on the website, and we'll put as many as we can in the show notes. Okay, we're going to start off with an antacid, something like omeprazole, which is brand named Prilosec, ranitidine, the brand name is Zantac, and cimetidine, which the brand name is Tagamet. These are for acid situations, acid reflux, upset stomach. You also may need to look at a list of antibiotics that your doctor might provide you a prescription for. But in an SHTF situation, and We're not recommending these for regular use. We're not recommending that you use something that's made for fish in place of human antibiotics, even though there are those that say that they're exactly the same. That's something that you'll have to make the choice of. But some preppers do store these for SHTF. One of them's ampicillin. Ampicillin's a very broad-spectrum antibiotic and good for a lot of things. Another would be amoxicillin, something that's often given in low doses to children and higher doses to adults, depending on what their level of infection may be. 
And then there's cefloxin and Cipro and doxycycline. And then the one that's been around the longest, and that is penicillin. Now, what we've been talking about here for the last couple of minutes is these types of medications that are available as what's called fish medications, fish antibiotics. Explain what those would be used for normally. Well, they're generally used for aquarium use or sometimes, you know, small pond type use for fish ailments. But interestingly enough, fish respond very well to the very same kinds of medications that humans are often given. And I've known many, many people that have tried these and have done well with them. But again, let me reiterate. We are not medical professionals. We are not giving you medical advice. If you choose to use fish antibiotics, and particularly in an SHTF situation, do so under your own judgment. It's your choice. We're not suggesting that you do so one way or the other. And if you do obtain these, be sure that you obtain usage information and a dosage chart. Some other things to stock up on would be antibiotic creams and ointments. A lot of these things are like their triple antibiotic or their neosporin types of products that you can use for topical relief. Not to be ingested, but for topical. Yeah, let's stop the infection before it starts. This is where a small cut on a finger could become a major, major issue. Exactly. Now, here's one that's a major issue, and that's diarrhea. We want to be sure to stock some anti-diarrhea medication. Because diarrhea is one of the fastest ways to dehydrate very seriously. And you do want to stop that if you can. So there are some anti-diarrheal medications out there that will also address nausea and motion sickness as well. I'd also stock some antihistamine, commonly known as Benadryl. It's diphenhydramine. And it will help folks in a couple of ways. One, it will help you to sleep. And secondly, it is for allergies to stop that runny nose and those watery eyes. Also, stock up on some anti-inflammatory products, also known as NSAIDs, which would be ibuprofen, naproxen sodium, the Tylenols, the Advils, the Motrins, those types of things that are anti-inflammatory. Even aspirin, I believe, is anti-inflammatory as well. It is. Now, here's one that we can use on a regular basis, and these become easy to rotate, and that is cold and flu medications. Yeah, always with the change of the seasons. seems like when we go from summer to fall and when we go from winter to spring, we see uh, more demand for cold and flu medications. And even if you get that flu shot, they misguessed on some of the strains that are coming through. Mm -hmm. There's been a few times over the years that I've gotten the flu shot and then got a different strain of the flu. So, yes, definitely. Theraflu is like a hot drink powder, a powder that you put water into to make a hot drink. It's very soothing. Also, the NyQuil's, the DayQuil's, those types of things that can help open up your sinuses and bring you some sore throat relief, some headache relief, and generally some all-over feeling bad relief. And something that comes with those colds and flu is congestion, so we want to stock some decongestants. And pseudoephedrine is good, and phenylephrine is two things that we've used quite regularly. You've also mentioned, like, um, I think guafenesin is also... Guafenesin. Guafenesin, yeah, I'm sure. That's even better when you have, like, chest cold. Mm -hmm. That will help get the flame up Mm -hmm. even better. Good. And here's another one that goes along with those small cuts and eating some things, and that is hydrocortisone cream, 
which we can use on itching, on bug bites, and even on blisters. Also, laxatives. Sometimes in a stressful situation, your bowel habits may go off the rails. Or you're not eating the way that you should be. Or you've eaten something that just, maybe just kind of, as they say, binds you up. Mm -hmm. So some laxative tablets or suppositories can be very helpful when you need that kind of help. Now, what about toothache? There's a little product called Orogel. They make a regular Orogel, and I believe they make a baby Orogel. And these possess a an element called benzocaine, and vary, they're anywhere from 10 to 20%. And it is a topical anesthetic. It actually removes pain like from gum tissues, the tongue, the soft tissues of the mouth, the harder gum tissues. That can be very, very important if you're having some kind of tooth trouble or or a pain. And I have even found that when people have like a hot spot, terrible scrape or a terrible scratch on their skin, that applying a little dab of that benzocaine can help take the heat and the hot and the pain right out of that skin. Yeah, some contain lidocaine, some contain benzocaine, and there's one called hurricane, which contains 20% benzocaine. Wow. So that would be good to have on hand for toothache. We have added a way for our listeners who would like to support the podcast to do so. We love our coffee. So you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep and buy us a cup of coffee. That's buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. You may want to have some pain reliever with that toothache as well. And the pain relievers run the list of acetaminophens, aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen sodium, and then there's a variety of powdered medicines. We know them here in America as BC powder, goodies powder, Standback. I remember it was an old. What these are basically crushed up, powderized forms of these same types of products. A lot of times they're aspirin with caffeine mixed in, and they just absorb quicker. They do. They The other tablets or capsules may take 30 to 40 minutes to activate. The powders can be somewhere between 5 to 10 minutes to activate. And another thing to think about, uh, you may get a sore throat. And I tell you, I remember one time in my life, in my 20s, I got the worst sore throat I ever had in my life. And I'm telling you, it was almost what I would consider a life-threatening sore throat. And this was this was before the chloroseptic sprays and some of those things. And Sucret's lozenges helped me. But basically, I just had to go to the old-fashioned doctor and get some old-fashioned medicine. But years later, they came out with chloroseptic spray. It's a little spray bottle. You can spray on the back of your throat, and it instantly anesthetizes your sore throat. And that is a wonderful thing to have. If you've got children, they've got a children's version. Sometimes kids are teething. You know, and you're... <laughs> In an SHTS situation, you parents that have children, they're not going to stop growing up. You know, they're going to have teeth and pain. They're going to lose teeth. They're going to keep on going like normal kids. And sometimes having a little bit of that relief to spray in there, and that usually very pleasant flavor with a cherry or an orange flavor. And that can really buy you some time on some pain relief. Now, we do have a larger list that we will be putting on the website tomorrow. And so you can go to the website at practicalprepping.info and look at the articles and see that. But let's talk for a minute about how to store medications. The biggest killers of medication is heat, light, air, and moisture. Yes, you need to store medications somewhere between 68 and 77 degrees 
I don't know what that's going to be in Celsius, but somebody can do no, the math. No, this is Fahrenheit. All right. Exactly. I did not do the conversion. Some of well, our listeners are metric, and we respect Probably that. more of our listeners are, <laughs> more of our countries are metric, but 68 to 77 degrees that's really room temperature is, is what it boils down to. I'll challenge any of our metric listeners. If you'll email us the conversion, I'd be interested to know what the numbers are Celsius for 68 to 77 Fahrenheit. What is that going to be Celsius? That's the challenge. I await your answer. I'll be checking the emails. And if you will email that, then I will do that conversion, and I will put that on the website as well. Now, a lot of times the medication that you receive from the pharmacist comes in a light-resistant bottle. Usually like a brown or amber color. Brown or amber. So you want to keep it in that, and you want to keep it airtight if you can. A lot of medications come prepackaged and it has a fall seal. Kind of vacuum sealed on there. You, you, um, it's stuck on there, and you have to peel it off, and sometimes you just have to poke a hole through it. But that's to keep it airtight because air can cause it to degrade, and you certainly want to keep it away from humidity. And humidity can occur most commonly in your bathrooms, your kitchens, and your basements. Mm -hmm. So those are probably three of the main areas. Besides a garage, for example, with the heat and the cold, that can happen out in a garage or a basement. So don't put it in the bathroom because of the increased humidity, and that lessens the potency of the medication, and it tends to cause the tablets to deteriorate. Which would make it more unpleasant to try to Mm -hmm. administer to yourself. Right. You're trying to swallow powder now. Don't keep them in the car. Your car is subject to the change and the extreme changes of temperature and humidity as well. And obviously, but we're going to say it again, do not store medications where any children or pets can get their fingers and mouths on them. You're just going to need to find a cool, dark, dry place. It may be like a mid-sized, midway-up cabinet, maybe sealed up in some sort of... We're going to talk about some ways to store and places to store in just a few minutes, but if at all possible... Leave it in the original sealed packaging, especially if it comes in a blister pack or if it comes in the yellow, amber, or dark bottles to protect it from light. Now, here's a tip. When you do open it, as soon as you open it, throw out that cotton that is inside. When you break the seal, take the cotton out and just throw it away. That cotton will tend to draw in moisture, which will further deteriorate your medication. You can actually buy these little desiccant pouches or a silica gel pouch and then put that into a medication package and then vacuum seal that with like a food saver vacuum seal to further protect it from the humidity. And then you can even label those contents and the expiration dates on those medicine packets and only do one medication per vacuum pack. It's not only convenient, it's just safer, and and do label it. You might not be able to depend on your memory or your eyesight to be able to read through the food saver bag. It's got a bit of a design on it. And you also have that expiration date out there so that you can keep a check on it and rotate these as necessary. And as Chris said a few minutes ago, store these in a cool, dark, dry place. And add labels to your medications for their usage and their dosage. You might even want to create a chart or just some sort of informational label that you can write yourself on each vacuum pack seal. 
Yeah, label. do you take one a day? Do you take three a day? Mm-hmm. Do exactly. you take two at a time? Do you have to cut them in half? Exactly. Yeah. What is the dosage that you need to be taking? This episode is brought to you by Practical Prepping for Everyday People, a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Here's just some tips for medication in general. And that is regularly checking the expiration dates and rotating those medications as necessary. Now, interestingly, many tablets will retain 90% of their potency for at least five years after expiration date. Now, that would be tablet. A capsule is going to be different. It's going to be a generally shorter, usable shelf life. I'd probably give it a year past expiration, maybe. Just kind of depends on what it looks like, and it should be still right. in its blister pack. And when you open it up, look at look at it, look and see. This is tablet. This is capsule. Look at it. See if it's deteriorating. See if it has discolored in any way. The point of bringing this in is in an SHTF situation. Now, we go through our medications and we rotate those out, and we make sure that we're not taking expired medication but in an shtf situation when there is no other available just be aware that some medications will retain that potency for at least five years after the expiration date now here's a bonus and this is for storing our regular medications including otc now we're not talking here about medications stored for shtf this is storing your OTC medications. This is this is practical prepping right here. Right. This is the way that you can clear out that big box of medication or that drawer of medication. You can organize those. And I've seen some very neat ideas on some of these recently. One, you can use clear bins for regular medications. My daily medications are in a bin that's off the counter in the kitchen, and they're all in their original containers, and I can just reach in there and get what I need. Now, you can also go to baskets on a shelf. Yeah, you actually might find some sort of a space in a closet, maybe a linen closet or something that's away from a kitchen or bathroom, and it may just, a basket can come with a lid or not a lid, and you can provide some sort of a little label on there to indicate that there's medications in there and just keep that on a shelf where it's easy to reach. And a lot of people store their medication in the bedroom. They do. And one nice interesting thing is that you can use these over-the-door shoe pouches mm-hmm. that are real super handy. In fact, I've bought half a dozen of those things and I have yet to put shoes in them. I don't think we have shoes in any. We've got kitchen supplies in our pantry in one and you can take one of these shoe pouch type over-the-door hangers and, and, of course, again, be very careful to make sure if you've got children or pets, you don't want them anywhere near the lower area where they could reach in. But that's a great you know. place to put those OTC medications sure. that you don't use regularly, but mm-hmm. you want them handy and you want to know where they are when you do need them. And something that I've used also in a shelf that I have is a double-tiered Lazy Susan. It has a rotating bottom tray, and it has a attached rotating top tray and i can actually store several things when i'm looking for what i'm looking for i just rotate that lazy susan until it swings around to the bottle that i need and there you go now another thing that you can do is put individual bins 
or individual baskets, and you can make this storage for each person individually. My medication and your medication is never stored together, Mm -hmm. and this helps us to avoid mistakes. And you may be listening tonight, and you actually may have several members of your household that are on prescription medications and also on different types of vitamins and supplements. And if you'll just create a little bin or a basket and label it with their name and maybe like a note to say daily meds or weekly meds or what have you, just to kind of remind yourself and them, this is your basket, this is your medication, you'll never have to wonder where it is, here it is. And if you have someone whose eyesight is failing and they need large print, you can also print out large print labels to put onto the individual medications Mm -hmm. to assist them with that as well. So our watchwords are definitely stock up on medications because you're a practical prepper, but also realize that in an SHTF situation, you will likely be completely 100% dependent on this storage because you may not have an ability to get out to a pharmacy or a department store or your doctor to get any refills. So as you can stock what you can reasonably Yeah, and you don't have to go out buy all this at one time. Just think Mm -hmm. about the things that you use across the course of life. Right. And some of those things, we know we're going to need some pain relievers. We know we're going to, at times, need some anti-diarrheal. We know that from time to time, we're going to need laxatives. Just pick up an extra box or whatever of that OTC medication when you go to the grocery store. Just even if you just do it once a month and then set that aside just in case. And then regularly check those expiration dates and rotate those as necessary. Yes, if you need any of the medicines you've stored, by all means, use them. Mm -hmm. Probably the best way to be rotating the medication is use what is in stock and replace it. Easiest way I can think of. We do that with food. We need to do it with our medications. Where would we be without a little bit of pain relief and maybe some topical cream when we have an itch or a blister? It can be mighty, mighty important. It's been often said that it's the littlest things that make the biggest difference. So do yourself a favor. Be your own first responder. Be your own medical care team. And think ahead. Put some medicines away. Use them as needed. Replace as necessary. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast today, and please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info, and our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.